Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me today. Glad you're here and happy you're listening. The other day, I read that Yuri Maltsev passed away. Now, Yuri Maltsev was a a guy who was in um, the Gorbachev administration under the old Soviet Union. He worked. uh, He was. He worked for like the chief economic advisor for Gorbachev, which you know maybe is not the same thing as the chief economic advisor working for the president of the United States, but it's, you know, similar kind of job. And, you know, one of the things that occurred to me is that more and more of these people are passing away. These people that actually lived under socialism or communism. And we're just, we're losing this, uh, you know, this first generation of, of, kind of truth tellers or storytellers that can share what it was actually like living under these regimes. And I think that's a huge loss. I mean, thank God we have the internet and you can go watch Yuri Maltsev on YouTube. There's numerous uh, presentations that he gives. I just selected this one because I thought it was, it was interesting because he was, he was talking about, um, uh, Friedrich Hayek's book, The Road to Serfdom. And, um, and of course, this is a famous book all over the world. There, you know, a lot, of, a, a lot of movements that ended up in, as freedom movements in some of these places, believe it or not, started with the intellectual class reading The Road to Serfdom by Friedrich Hayek. And so you should read it too. It's a very good book. Um, and it's very eye-opening um, about about what what central planning is all about, uh, what its uh, ultimate uh, ends are, and where it ultimately ends up. You know, just as a matter of course. And I have often I've talked about this before. You know, this central planning. You know, any, any of these um, central planning type regimes, the challenge is always you know what happens if you don't want to go along with the plan, right? Because human beings, you can never get 100% of human beings to agree on anything. I'm not sure you could even get, uh, you know, 50% to agree on something, much less everything. And so the problem with central planning is, you know, what happens if, you, if I don't follow the plan? And, uh, and Yuri talks about that. He talks about that in his talk. Well, this is what happens if you don't follow the plan. You know, and and what what the inevitable progression of central planning and socialist type systems uh, leads to. So, I wanted to play a little bit of uh, Yuri Maltsev today. Uh, hopefully, I have enough time to play all the clips. Um, and but even if I don't, you should go listen to it. I'll leave a link in the show notes page. I think you'll really enjoy him. He's I cut out a lot of his little humor because it's he's putting stuff on the screen and showing, you know, it's kind of like ironic humor, you know. And I think without the picture, it doesn't really 
it doesn't really come through, but it, but a lot of it is very funny. He's, he, he does have a kind of a lighthearted way about him and I hope you'll enjoy, you know, this, uh, some of the clips that we pull out from his talk today. Uh, Leon Lewis, famous um, uh, Austrian economist in South Africa, he made a point that uh, it's just a, a good illustration for Peter's presentation that only governments are so efficient in destroying wealth that even people like Chinese people, Indian people, other people with a very, uh, who are extremely productive, uh, that they were uh, reduced to uh, extreme poverty, starvation, and, and whatnot. <clears throat> And a lot of people would come to me and would say, yeah, we bought the book. But, and I said, well, did you like the book? No, it's, it's a little bit above us, above my head. Um, very di- difficult. Uh, one lady in the place called Sherman, Texas, she even said, I looked through the whole book. There is nothing about Obama. So let me just give you a little bit of background. And, you, and if you go listen to the whole thing, you'll know what the background is. But he's, he's, you know, he travels around and he talks. He gives speeches and whatnot. And he's, and he's doing this during the Tea Party movements that happened under Obama. And so his book, you know, is, is about, you know, living under socialism and central planning and the road to serfdom and things like this. And, of course, he's going to these Tea Party, uh, these tea party uh, movement rallies, and he's got his book. And so he's selling his book. And I, I like this one clip because he mentioned Sherman, Texas, and, of course, you know, I'm from Dallas originally, and Sherman is just a, a little bit north of Dallas. In fact, it's it's, a, it's really close to a lake called Lake Texoma, where we used to go a lot when we were young. But I just thought it was funny. The lady says, oh, I looked through the whole book, and there's nothing about Obama. You know, and this is this is what happened. The reason I, I like what what he said here, and 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 I want to take the opportunity to to say something about it is. What happened to the Tea Party, right? Well, the Tea Party was co-opted. And the Tea Party was co-opted because people, the Tea Party really wasn't based on, it was based on this idea of, hey, we're, we're taxed enough already. That's what the TEA stands for. But the, the people really motivated to, to, you know, to protest and do all this stuff, they really didn't have, in, in my opinion, they really didn't have the underlying principle uh, almost language with which to sustain that movement. You know, they created a lot of a lot of anger uh, initially, and there was a lot of anger anyway because we were coming out of the financial crisis, and there were the bank bailouts, and you know, so they saw all these bailouts, and then they saw that, oh, you know, you know, the Obama administration wants to raise taxes on us and have you know uh, health care for everybody, which clearly is going to be more expensive. And, and it just popped this movement up, right? But um, the other thing he talks about is, is, um, is how efficient um, governments are at destroying wealth. And this was really what our last program was about, you know, inflation. But it's also, it's not just about inflation. It's about uh, adhering to the central plan. And, you know, people have their own ideas about how they want to live their life, right? They don't want to be roped into a plan. And, and this is why uh, people just end up doing nothing, right? They just, they kind of go through the motions and do what they're told, but they really just do only what they're told. They don't, they don't really add their own little creative effort to it. And so 
ultimately it's not very productive to have central planning. Even if it, even if you could, or even if it didn't result in death, it's still not very efficient. It's not an efficient way to have a very successful society. The road to certain was really a gateway for many people, for many intellectuals in Eastern Europe and Soviet Union today in China, uh, they publishing Road to Serdom. In Russia, they just published the 11th edition already of The Road to Serdom. The Road to Serfdom was a very influential book in many of these Eastern Bloc countries and in the Soviet Union itself. And one of the reasons it was so influential is because when people read it, they saw themselves in it. You know, I don't know if you've ever read, you know, a book or a novel or something and you see yourself in it and it, it touches you in a different way. And and that's what was happening um, all around the world. Now, just, just so you know who Friedrich Hayek is... He was, uh, he was one of the most famous students uh, under Ludwig von Mises. Uh, this is the, you may have heard, heard me talk about Mises or the Austrian school. The Austrian school is a school of thought around economics. And Friedrich Hayek was uh, probably the most famous student of Mises, uh, most probably because he won the uh, Nobel Prize uh, for economics. And so that, that really... Uh, brought uh, Austrian economics into the mainstream. The the thing the, the reason Austrian economics was was not in the mainstream from the get go really had to do a lot with Keynes. Keynes's theories uh, tended to empower governments, and so those theories got uh, most of the acclaim uh, in in government type led institutions. And 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 Mises was kind of relegated to the dustbin of history, really, until he immigrated to the U.S. Planning is extremely important. Planning is in, in, in destroying liberty. That planning, uh, planning, especially during war times, uh, usually would stay. And Cold War even solidified that, because Cold War was, um, I, I'm not sure who won Cold War, because I'm thinking that maybe not us, because fighting Cold War, we became more or less looking like the people we were fighting. Yeah, you know, you see that a lot with our government. You know, they, they claim to be fighting uh, some tyranny or uh, some evil out there. But the manner in which they do it, uh, which is coercion, planning, planning basically uh, requires coercion. I, I touched on this earlier, you know. If, if somebody doesn't want to go along with the plan, well, then there has to be some force to make them, right? We saw this with the COVID stuff. Now, you know, again, this is eight years old, these clips that I'm playing from Yuri Maltsev. So he doesn't have COVID as a reference, but, but you definitely see this with COVID. We're, we're now learning that, um, I mean, I think the COVID, the COVID shots are here to stay. I mean, they're talking about combining the flu shot with the COVID shot, uh, which means we're going to have it every year, uh, which means every year when you go to your doctor, they're going to ask you, have you had the COVID shot? And you're going to say whatever you're going to say. Uh, have you had the flu shot? For me, it's no and no. <laughs> now I'm, I'm considering taking the, uh, the uh, shingles shot, but the shingles vaccine is, is, is a traditional type of vaccine. It's not uh it's not like uh, these new mRNA 
gene therapies. And so, but yeah, you, you know, he even asked the question here, you know, I'm not even sure who won the cold war. I mean, I think, I think if you ask somebody in the government who won the cold war, they'll just laugh at you and say, well, clearly we won the cold war, but you know, the CIA grew immensely. The, the security state in general grew immensely. We justified all this kind of spying and all the, think about all the technology and all the, the know-how that went into the, the level of spying that we did during the Cold War. And then that still exists, right? All the, all the people that do that for a living, all the technology. And so then they had to figure out where can we turn this? You know, what, what enemy can we turn this on? Well, it turned out to be us, right? After, the, after 9-11, they justified all kinds of things. And we became the enemy, the, the American people. And I think you can see that clearly today. Equality of material position uh, only can be achieved through coercion, through mass murder, through the government with totalitarian powers. Then another thing is emergencies. Emergencies are used, and we'll talk a little bit about that in, 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 in the context of United States today, um, that they are um, a pretext uh, by which individual liberty goes out of the window. And the third one is, is very important because many people um, do not see this connection, that fascism is the stage reached after communism has proved an illusion. That this is a logical thing, that after communism, and you can see this exactly the same scenario evolving in many post-communist countries, countries like Russia itself, like Kazakhstan, like uh, Moldova. People who already were enslaved became serfs. They reproduce this serfdom on and on and on in their political system. Even if they have a window of freedom, in many cases they would close, shut down this uh, window. Yeah, you know, central planning, there, there's so many problems with that. Um, it's not just that it has to result in coercion to carry out the plan, although that's ultimately the, uh, the end result. But there's just, there's just, you don't get the best results with central planning either because you don't have this um, distributed knowledge. You don't have access to this distributed knowledge when you do central planning. But um, we see a lot of that in our government in the United States. We see, you know, and, and, and we feed on that. You know, the, the, the American people feed on that. We, 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 we say things like this all the time, like we need to do something. Like when people say that, they mean the government needs to do something. And so they're buying into the whole central plan. And, and of course, uh, even the person saying we need to do something uh, is not likely to agree with the plan that comes up inside the government. So it, it's not, it doesn't provide solutions. It doesn't end up uh, making us happy. Um, in fact, the market is much better at this, right? The market provides not just a single solution. It provides hundreds of different solutions. And as someone who, um, you know, procures things in the market, secures resources, you can go pick, you know, pick the solution that best suits your, your personal needs. Uh, but yeah, central planning is, 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 is how it all starts. You know, there's, there's always good intentions. You know, I don't, 
in fact, it really doesn't matter. It, it, you know, this is this is another way to think about it. Um, you know, people will say, well, you know, the government's just, they, they're, they have good intentions, okay? Well, good intentions or not, if it doesn't produce results, if there's no way to produce results that work and satisfy the people, then why even support it, right? Why, why give it, why give it sanction? Why, why then make excuses for it when it doesn't work? Well, they were just doing their best and this, this, that, and the other. The other thing is emergencies. He, he talks about emergencies. And I think the fact that we've all lived through COVID, we know exactly what he's talking about, right? We, we had an emergency. Uh, this resulted in massive central planning, uh, which then resulted in massive civil liberty violations, coercion, death. I mean, the, you know, the actions out of COVID, the COVID response have killed a lot of people. You know, just a couple of examples would be like when uh, uh, Cuomo, you know, made a policy to discharge elderly people from the hospital with COVID back to the nursing homes where they spread COVID and killed a bunch of people that were at risk. The, the shots themselves um, have had, you know, what, what ec- uh, economists, economists would call negative externalities, right? Uh, the first, the first trials that Pfizer even published, you know, there was like forty-seven thousand people that that took the shot. Uh, something like fourteen hundred, almost fifteen hundred, died from the shot. And this this type of planning was they they tried to keep it secret. Then they knew it was bad, right? They went to court and tried to get the court to seal the records for seventy-five years. Thank God, you know, the court system is is not, you know, following the same party line and basically said, uh, no, you'll unseal that information now. And they did. And of course, it's, you know, a huge scandal, but it's all after the fact. And it's all a result of this central planning. The serious thing, which is, which is equally applicable to, to fascism and socialism, uh, is that they would both end in mass murder because of complete, uh, complete absence of any stimulus, of any, any um, incentives to do anything under that system. Uh, the only way to, um, to rule, to um, promote central planning, to, to kind of to <clears throat> organize uh, centralized society, you need mass murder. And this mass murder was applied and Hayek was um, warning us about that, that, that your disciplining is planned. If you are fired from your job, it's apt to be by a firing squad. What used to be an error has now become a crime against the state. Thus ends the road to serfdom. So the road to serfdom ends with death, ends with death. So, you know, the biggest challenge in, in trying to, you know, talk to people about these kinds of things is they'll say things like, yeah, but that's not what we're doing. You know, we're not doing that. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you look at like the COVID experience, we kind of were doing that. You know, we, we, we really were. We weren't, I mean, the government wasn't lining people up in, in a firing squad, but it was forcing people to leave their jobs. Okay. Well, that could be 
devastating itself. A whole bunch of people took their lives over it, you know, because they just didn't see any way out. You know, you know, your average American has a lot of debt. They need to work. They're, they're, if they don't work, they cannot support what they have. And so when you, when you kick somebody out of their, you know, out of their job and they really don't know anything else, especially if they're highly trained, look at all the medical people that were kicked out of their jobs or the military. Um, you know, and it could have been a lot more of us, right? I mean, that they were pushing for OSHA to make this a mandate. And so if you happen to work for a country that had a hundred or more employees, this was some, this was the direction they were going. So, you know, when, when somebody says, well, we don't really do that, you know, we, we're not killing people and yeah, but that's only because we, we managed to stop it before it got to that point. Right. I mean, the, the, I think, I think Yuri's point is it's the logical conclusion. If you follow the steps of central planning and coercion, it, it, in, in Hayek said this too, is it leads to death eventually. There is no, there is no solution. There is no outcome by where we escape death under these types of systems. And so, and I, and I think that the, the, the effort in the U.S. to label it democratic socialism or some sort of kinder socialism, I think is just a, an, it's just a way, it's just a way to backdoor, uh, this, this, um, this, this political, this way of politically thinking, uh, to the masses to make it sound like it's kinder and gentler. But, uh, I think we just have to understand that it ends in death. It ends in mass murder. It's a dead end, uh, the road to serdom is. And sometimes it is almost impossible to make a U-turn in that, on that road to serdom. This is the map of the <clears throat> concentration death camps in the Soviet Union. Um, and according to statistics, uh, anywhere from 43 to 61 million people were murdered during introduction of central planning. Um, well, I don't care even whether it's 43 um, million or 61. Uh, both numbers are so staggering. Both numbers are so beyond human comprehension uh, that we can say that I think that that uh, socialism is an exact opposite of libertarianism, exact opposite of classical liberalism, and so, so socialism of any kind um, is nothing but the regime, I would say, of public slavery. Public slavery when people are being owned collectively by the state. So on this program we talk all the time about how the 20th century uh, governments killed uh, almost 170 million people. And if you go listen to other Yuri Maltsev um, talks, he talks about this number all the time. And, and essentially, it's just, it's just um, a result of not complying with the central plan, with the plan. Like it, I've said this previously, but if the plan is X and, you know, I don't know, 5 million Americans don't want to do X, then, then what, what are they, what's the, what's the result? You know, how to, how are we treated then? Well, you know, again, going back to COVID, you know, their ideas were to have a COVID passport. Well, what does that mean? Well, you can't travel. You can't go here. You can't go there. So, 
you know, it's a softer, it's a softer, uh, way about going about controlling people. But again, at some point, at some level, it becomes uh, a death camp. There's, there's something, uh, that lead, something about it doesn't quite give the results they want. And, and ultimately, you know, this escalates, uh, to death. Okay. The other thing I want to mention is this idea of public slavery, because every, all of us pay taxes. Okay. And many of us think we pay too many, too much in taxes. In fact, I've talked about this before that, you know, your interaction with government really is your, at your local level first. But if you analyze taxes, you pay your local government the least amount and, and county and so on and so forth, and you end up paying the federal government the most amount, but the federal government you have the least amount of interaction with. And so this, this idea of public slavery, I think, is, is inherent in, um, in socialism, even if it's democratic socialism. Okay, that's, that's an important thing to understand. If, if somebody, if, if a bunch of people get together and vote to make me pay more, you know, 10% more in taxes. I'm, I'm a public slave. I'm a slave to what the majority wants. Okay. It's a, uh, it's, it's like the old joke. Uh, um, it's like uh, three wolves and a rabbit deciding what's for dinner, right? The, the wolves are going to vote for the rabbit, right? We're going to eat the rabbit. And so this is, this is what quote unquote democratic socialism is like. And, and, and whether we call it or not, whether we call our system that or not, we are living under that system. We are living under this democracy. Um, we, we're being told that somehow democracy provides the best solutions for society. And what democracy really does is it, is it just allows the majority to uh, vote uh, the minority's stuff away from them, Okay whether it be their income, their wealth, their property, uh, whatever. And so this is, not, uh, this is not a solution that leads to prosperity. This was a solution that ultimately will lead to death. Uh, hero, that is there a greater tragedy imaginable than that in our endeavor consciously to shape our future in accordance with high ideals, which should in fact unwittingly produce the very opposite of what we have been striving. Yeah, you, you might have to go back and listen to this again, but he, what he's talking about is intentions, right? You know, I think he's talking about, you know, these, these central planners, they strive for all these high ideals. But what we end up producing is the very opposite. We end up, it ends up degrading into, um, you know, a progression towards death. And it doesn't matter if your intentions are good. It doesn't matter... That, that you want uh, equality for poor people or you want, you know, more justice or whatever. Whatever your ideal is, it, it doesn't matter because ultimately we're talking about central planning and ultimately that leads to death. I was traveling recently to also to the island of Mauritius. Mauritius, not many people even know where it is. Mauritius was number 42 in the Index of Economic Freedom. Now, right now it's number 6. United States is number 18. When I came to the United States, 
United States was number two. Now we are number 18. So this is the, the Baltic states are doing better than United States in economic freedom. And why I think that Mao Zedong was absolutely right. Everything under heaven is an utter chaos. The situation is excellent for us. So I think this is interesting here. You know, when he came to the United States, which, which was after um, the Soviet Union collapsed, so we're talking about 1989, 1990, the Economic Freedom Index of the United States had us ranked number two in the world. And now now we're now he says this was eight years ago they were ranked number 18 i just checked today as of 2020 we were ranked number 17 and this little island mauritius which is off the coast of madagascar uh, near africa is it's like 30 by 40 miles kind of size island it was number 42 when he migrated to the u.s and now it's number six so it's interesting how the U.S. has kind of come down. And there's actually freer places in the world to live than the U.S. Um, I think that's, uh, that's interesting. You wouldn't, I mean, most people, if you walk up to people on the street and ask them about this, they'd probably say, no, the U.S. is free, you know, and all these, some place off the coast of Africa, there's no way it could be freer. But in fact, uh, according to these metrics that the, um, economic freedom index uses it actually is so look freedom is not guaranteed just because we have a constitution and a declaration of independence and founders that believed in liberty and property doesn't mean that um, that we're guaranteed that forever Uh, as benjamin franklin uh, famously answered when asked well you know Dr. Franklin, do we have a, what kind of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. And this is, this is the thing about uh, representative or self-government. It requires uh, active uh, participation. It requires knowledge. Um, it requires knowing the difference between liberty and tyranny and what that looks like um, even the littlest difference, you know, when your politicians are promoting it. So, look, I hope uh, I hope you've uh, enjoyed today's program. Again, we're saddened that Yuri Maltsev has passed. Um, I encourage you to go to YouTube and look at some of his talks. He's he's quite funny. He's got a, a funny sense of humor, and he uh, is very very knowledgeable. And like I said. We're, we're losing a lot of these people. You know, Ayn Rand was famously one of them. Uh, Yuri Maltsev. I, I don't know. There's, there's others out there. Um, but certainly uh, with the Soviet Union collapsing uh, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, we, we certainly are, you know, having fewer and fewer of those people that can speak on the subject that actually lived under it. Um, continuing to, to, to live with us today. All right. Well, look, if you like this program, you know, share it as always, um, write me a review, um, do whatever you think could help, um, you know, promote the show. I think these ideas are important. It's important for us to not forget where we came from. And, uh, the best way to do that is to discuss it, talk about it, learn a little bit about history, economics, and um, 
you know, look, if you come back and listen, as always, I'll be here again to do it again tomorrow. And I've got a, a short clip here uh, from uh, Yuri Maltsev, and I believe he's quoting uh, President Ronald Reagan. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And I'm afraid that this is our generation.